0: In this episode of the Church Security Roll Call, we're going to be discussing use of force liabilities. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Chris with Sheepdog Church Security, and this is your Church Security Roll Call. Today we're going to be discussing the article, Responder's Risk. If you'd like to read that article, go to our website, sheepdogchurchsecurity.net, and look under the News tab. So let's begin in the Bible as we always do. This is Daniel 6, verse 4, and it reads like this. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault. For for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. The reason I like this verse is because it really applies well to this this program here. So what it is is this, is Daniel was being, was basically surrounded by enemy and they were trying to pull him down, but they were unable to do that on the front end, they were unable to do that because they could find no fault and no error. Now if you know the rest of this story, they pass another law. In order to capture him and get him into trouble anyway. And that's kind of what we're talking about today. If we're going to be prepared to use force as sheepdogs, then what we also need to do is make sure that we've done everything we can so there, can no, there cannot be any fault found in us, no error to be found in us. And so that comes down to training, that comes down to knowledge, that comes down to preparation and many other things. So we want to get that squared away. Then the other part of that is this, is they still might use the law against us or try to use the law against us. And so we have to be prepared for that as well. And so that's what we're discussing. So before I go on, I do want to kind of bring your attention to the notes I know i talked about this in the past. I just don't know if I've really explained it well. So what some churches are doing out there is this. Is they're watching this video on YouTube or they're listening to the podcast. And then what they're doing is they're sharing that with their entire team. And, and, and having their team members watch it. Then what they do is they print off the show notes as kind of a summary. So the next time they're together, maybe it's you know during services, um, you know on the weekend or during the week, and they have these conversations and they kind of treat this as a continuing education um, for those that have been um, certified with us. You know it's continuing education. Also, too, it's just keeping everybody sharp. So please, by all means, check out those notes send this you know send this video out to all your team have them watch it print off a copy of those notes and then discuss it the next time that you guys are together because i'm sure as you're listening to this program or watching this program And your team members are doing the same thing. You're having thoughts and ideas and things that you're going to want to get, you know, come together and have these discussions. And that's what the little show notes are for is because, you know, who knows when the next time you meet. I don't know if you listen to this when it's released on Monday or Tuesday or if you, you know, if you're waiting until Saturday, I don't know. But anyway, um, show notes get a copy of them. All you do is put your email in there and then we email it to you. Now, it does send you a thing of uh, email that says, thank you for subscribing. Don't worry about that. You didn't double subscribe. Everything's fine. It's just, we need your email and that's kind of like the default message that we may or may not be able to change. I guess I should look into that. So anyway, let's get into some news stories here about times criminal and civil liability has been um, has affected somebody in the church or the church itself so we're all familiar with the white settlement um, shooting in Texas December 29th 2019 um, Jack Wilson head of security of Freeway Baptist Church of Christ shot and killed an assailant we all know that after he shot two other people um, what you might not know is this: uh, It took until September 23, 2000, um, 2020, almost 10, minute, ten months after the incident, for the grand jury to decide not to indict him. Now, what's important about this is think about this: It's it's ten months. There's an investigation that's you know conducted by police and or investigators. Um, who knows if state investigators got involved? I don't know, um, but that possi- very possibly could have happened. You know, evidence is gathered. All that stuff is sent to the, you know, the prosecutor, the uh, uh, you know, attorney's office, and then they reviewed it and then brought it before a grand jury where they reviewed all the evidence. Some testimony was given to show what kind of case was against um, Jack Wilson in this case. And then he's finally exonerated um, by grand jury. Well, the thing is, is this, is that's 10 months. And during that 10 months, he needed an attorney. He needed somebody to advise him what to say or how to say things and all that kind of stuff to protect his interests. Um, We're talking about grand jury. We're talking about all kinds of things that are going on and you want that legal representation. I can only imagine that Jack Wilson's stomach was just grinding away for 10 months until this was done. And that attorney provided some, some comfort, if you will. This is how it's going. You know, if you saw the video, you know this was about as, I, I don't even think you could imagine a better shoot than this shoot in the sense that the guy had already killed two people before he was shot by Jack Wilson. And so, you know, this was a good shoot, but it was still 10 months, and that's why we have to have uh, a plan for criminal and civil liabilities. Next one is um, Vanceboro, North Carolina, January 5th, 2020. A man who had already assaulted a female relative broke into a vehicle and drove it to a church near um, Vanceboro. Obviously intoxicated, he was refused entry by those at the door, He then tried to force his way in. Multiple calls were made to 911. Responding deputies found him fighting with church members. The deputies subdued him with a taser and arrested him. Several charges were filed against him. None of the church members, including ushers, greeters, were charged. Um, The man's relative said he was high on meth. Once again, this is one of those deals where if you or your team or door greeters or whatever it is has to... Use some force, now if you just kind of imagine trying to create a a body barrier, you and other team members to keep him from getting inside, that's a level of force. And you wanna make sure that you have an attorney that you can contact, or some plan, you know, so do everything right, that's the key, that's the number one way to stay out of legal trouble, is do everything right, but then two, you know, his family, you know, or him, or you know, there could even be civil lawsuits that follow up on this, so we have to be prepared and trained. Okay. Fort Worth, Texas, uh, March 25th, 2018. At, a powder's, at, at the Potter's House in Fort Worth, a woman who had been a volunteer for about a year argued with the elder over whether she should be on stage during services. The argument became very heated. The volunteer was asked to leave, and she refused. Church security tried to get her to leave, and two police officers um, were there, came backstage to subdue her. They forced her to the floor before handcuffing her. It seems pretty clear that once they told her that she needed to leave, um, at that point she was trespassing, and that's probably why the police, other than her fighting with people, it sounds like, that, um, that they had to handcuff her and arrest her for that. Six months later, she sued the church and the security guards, claiming ex- excess force was used. She also claimed that asking her to leave was unfair and unjustified. You can ask anyone to leave. Um, a police. So that's that's a false accusation. Um, police investigators reviewed uh, video footage and concluded that force w- used was not excessive. But once again, all of a sudden, you're getting served with those civil. You know that you're being sued. And I can tell you right now, your blood pressure is gonna go up, stress is gonna come on, and that's when you're gonna wanna be able to call an attorney and all that good stuff. Okay, so legal liability. I definitely want you to check out this article because I'm gonna go a slightly different direction as I often do. So one of the things that I wanna bring up, and let me start with just how much liability is out there. Just recently, I mean this last week, it's funny that this article has come up, is just this last week, I probably talked to three different people and I'm planning to actually have a sit-down with another church to talk about liability. When we talk about liability, what happens is a lot of us get really anxious and people that don't know anything will say, oh, that sounds like liability and we just want to avoid any sort of safety ministry, any sort of safety team. And it's because they just don't understand that, hey, if you got guys you know, carrying firearms, an example, or you have people that are training to use some le- different levels of force against an intruder, um, that's gonna open us up to liability, right? Isn't that just common sense? But what we often forget about is this, is that what creates liability more times than not is when there's a known risk, a reasonable risk, you know, reasonable probability of a specific risk, and we do nothing, that's where the liability comes in. So I'll kind of give you an example here, is if, if you know, based on all of our upbringing, right, probably in grade school, we probably got some sort of training on fire safety, right? Things like don't play with matches and stop, drop, and roll, and maybe even grade school, we, did, we practiced fire drills. We know that fires are a thing, and churches start on fire, churches have fires. And so, if you do nothing and there's a fire at your church and somebody gets injured or killed, you better know you're going to get sued and you're going to be sued successfully because we know that fires are a probability. And if we do nothing to prevent it, you know, through fire inspections, making sure we have fire extinguishers, having an alarm, all that good stuff, you know, practicing at least a fire drill with the children's ministry, If but... If you don't do that, you're going to be sued, and you're going to be sued successfully. <clears throat> and that goes for all the risks out here. Here in Minnesota, it snows, and, it gets, and sidewalks and parking lots get icy. If we know this, this is not a surprise to anybody here. This happens. If we don't take reasonable steps to prevent somebody from slipping and falling on the ice and hurting themselves, we're going to be sued and we're gonna be sued successfully. And so that's what it's all about. That's where you're gonna find your greatest liability risk is when you should have known or do know that there's a risk and you do nothing. Um, now there's other things, and we'll talk a little bit more about that um, use of force because that does open some things up. You know, Obviously, if you have people using any sort of force, there's always going to be a review of any sort of criminal activity that may have occurred in that use of force and any sort of civil liability that could be threatened. Now on the criminal side, you know, just to give you some ideas, if you saw the video recently of the protesters at the Catholic Church during Mass um, on Mother's Day, you know, these guards, these people from the church are trying to get those protesters out. And, um, you know, I've seen the video, watched the video a couple times, there is some physical contact. Now, I'm not talking about strikes or any of that, but there is kind of those hands are out guiding, trying to guide them out and people trying to get past their hands. And, of course, as they ran into those security guards' hands trying to get past them, they would scream, don't touch me, don't touch me. So they understand the importance of verbal command and the sick se- suggestibility of it all um, where people around might say well hey that security guard just touched that person but anyway it was actually them touching the security guard because they walked into his hands that he had out but anyway um, neither here nor there they'll be if those people want to try to press charges there's going to be a review of what occurred there and those people could be under investigation for possible assault or harassment or disorderly conduct now remember, the court system will look at, um, will look at the victim in this case, the security guards and the church, with more scrutiny or equal scrutiny, depending on which county you live in, um, to try to get them. To try to get them, you know, and and the church, of course, too, is a target and is not protected like it used to be. The mentality has changed, so they'll try to charge those guys out. Well, now imagine that you get that call that says, "Hey." you know, we saw you on this video, we need you to come in and we want to interview you. Right now, blood pressure goes up, stress level goes up, you're gonna want to be able to get on the phone with some sort of legal protection, right? So there's that kind of, it could be something as simple as that, protesters and you're trying to get them out of the church with minimal force, if no force at all. I mean, that's basically presence and verbal and they could still be brought up on criminal charges Um, And that's, like I said, you want legal protection. And then of course it goes up. You can have a domestic breakout and it could be as as plain as anything else. You know, a spouse striking another spouse in, in the lobby and you go down there to split up the fight, to split up the violence. And, you know, maybe you have to push somebody or take them down or something to that effect. Once again, assault. Certainly with deadly force, we know. Just pulling your weapon can be a threat of deadly force, and that's a crime in some states. And so we wanna be prepared, we wanna be ready. So this brings me to probably the, the whole point of this, the practical actions. i give you two practical actions. Number one, it comes down to good training. If you and your team have been trained in the levels of use of force, so we're talking a good review of the law for your state, some basic training like we offer our basic use of force laws course um, you know that kind of stuff get that good firm foundation and understanding of when you can use force under what circumstances and all the different factors that can play in there any court decisions that might affect your your jurisdiction your state and really examining those. And that's part of that Daniel plan, right? He was doing everything right in accordance to the law as it was at that time, right? He's doing everything he's supposed to do. He's doing it well. And you know, there's a verse out there that, um, and I'm gonna get it wrong and I don't know where it is, but you guys probably heard this before. It's how it's also important that we don't even have the appearance of evil. And so that's what we're kind of striving for. We're trying to make sure that we're fully trained, we understand the law. The other thing is this, is if we're using any sort of uh, less lethal weapons or lethal weapons, are we training on that and do we have a standard? Is it just anybody and everybody can be on the team because they have their permit to carry? Or did they have to go through annual qualification and maybe some tactical shooting and they've done their annual review of the law and, and they've also been trained to use uh, less uh, less than deadly force in other situations. You know, Are they fully trained? And, that, and is that being recorded? And so you can defend yourself, say, hey, this guy went through this training. Or maybe you're that guy. Hey, I went through all this training. I've demonstrated my understanding, all that kind of, you know, through testing. I, I've gone through the training. That's going to help you and your church a great deal. Definitely a policy on use of force is extremely important. You know, getting with your church's attorney, getting that written. So not only have you studied the law, but you've also studied that use of force policy that your church has created. And, you know, like I said, we're, we're we're dotting I's and we're crossing T's. You know, we're making sure we've done all that training component. And that's going to help. The next thing, the other take-home, so first take-home is train. Second take-home is you need legal protection. You, individually. Well, let me start with the church. The church needs legal protection, right? Because the church can't be sure that everybody on the team is going to do the right thing all the time. And so a lot of insurance companies out there right now that cover churches are starting to offer riders that can be added to the insurance policy that covers armed armed volunteers and so your church needs to look into that if your church contacts their insurance company and that insurance company says safety ministry is the worst idea you ever had Um, having armed people is the worst idea ever you're going to get sued blah 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 Um, they're doing that to scare you off because they don't offer that kind of insurance so just realize that that rant and all that that pushback you get from your insurance agent that just means they don't want to lose you as a customer. There are other insurance companies out there. I don't work for them. I don't get any kickback from this, but Brotherhood Mutual is one of them that has a rider that covers. And it's a huge company. It's nationwide. So it's not like, you know, John Smith's insurance. It's it's a real company. And so it's out there. You know, just tell your church we well, you need to just switch over and get this rider. So that covers the church and to some extent it'll cover you because that insurance company, now they work for the insurance company. They, it's the stakeholders of the insurance company they really work for. But oftentimes defending the church um, helps defend the stakeholders. So they defend the church. And then by extension, they also defend you to some extent. However, if you broke the law or you've, you know violated policy, they'll cut you loose and you'll be on your own same thing with the church if they decide the church violated policy or you know they broke the law then they'll cut the church loose because their ultimate um loyalties are to the stakeholders but anyway they should get the insurance anyway second thing is is because you could be cut loose you need to look at legal protection now there are a lot out there um and i don't want to speak bad about any of them because Um, Legal protection or insurance for firearms carriers are a little bit like buying a firearm. You tend to love the one that you own and you'll go to your grave saying it's the best firearm ever in the world. Um, (laughs) That's a generalization, but it seems like some people are that way. I'm gonna suggest to you that the best legal protection out there for us, for normal people, volunteers, caring, really anyone who carries, is U.S. Law Shield. The reason I like U.S. Law Shield is they are not an insurance company. They do not work for stakeholders. What they are is by becoming a member with them, it's like having an an attorney on retainer. They're They're your attorney. And so when you call U.S. Law Shield, and you're talking to that attorney, you're, you're telling them what's going on and they're giving you advice right then and there. Now, if you can have the church's attorney also defending you, great, you got two attorneys now. But if that church walks away from you because of your, your actions or the insurance company does, you still have that attorney. They work for you and you only. What's also nice about them is this, is they get you an attorney that works these kind of cases. So whatever state you're in, now the first guy you talk to may not be your attorney through all of it. It's just to give you that initial information you need to keep your mouth shut or only say these things and get you through that part. Then they get you an attorney that's closer to you in your state that works those kind of cases, and they're with you. Um, and, and then from there, they're with you through civil Now some insurance companies out there, actually in their policy, they have two types of exclusions. And one exclusion is this, is if you put yourself in a situation that you're more likely to use force, they cut you loose, they don't cover you for that. They're only trying to cover people that are minding their own business, they're in Walmart and somebody tries to kill them, and they defend themselves, that's one thing. Um, So make sure that your policy, if you have one of these insurance policies, Make sure it doesn't have that exclusion. Um, The other exclusion that some of them have is this, is if you're found guilty of any crime, any crime, so let's say it's a deadly force situation, but then they decide to charge you with disorderly conduct or something, and they find you guilty of that lower misdemeanor, those insurance companies won't cover you through the civil part. So now when that inevitable lawsuit comes out, now you're in trouble with or you're without an attorney. So that's why like US law shield you have you get an attorney right when you're on the field in the scene to talk you through it, make sure you don't do anything dumb to get yourself in trouble. Then they get you an attorney that's closer by within your state who's worked these kind of cases to be with you. And then oftentimes you change attorneys at that point after the criminal for civil because you need they give you an attorney that specializes and the civil end of it. So criminal and civil are quite differently. Anyway, this has gotten along uh, long enough. The point is this, there is a liability for being on a safety team. There is, but if you have a good training program, you keep good training records, your church starts to um, develop some policies, use of force is probably a good one right off the bat, and then you have some sort of legal protection you're going to really minimize that risk and like i said churches generally get sued organizations typically get sued because you should you should have known of a risk and you did nothing about it safety ministries safety teams are always um, a good idea for churches so thank you so much for being here please like share you know do what these other churches are doing out there you know send this video to you know get the link send this video to all your team members you know get that download and then talk to your team about it have these discussions we need to stay sharp and it's this kind of these conversations that are going to continue to move us forward move our team forward and keep us sharp so thank you so much for being here and hey let's be careful out there